0: All right. is Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Chris Meyer. Viewpoint is a one-hour talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. And now with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Chris Meyer.
1: Last night, former President Donald Trump announced his intention to enter the campaign early on, the first of all, to enter the campaign for the 2024 presidential election. He said that he is doing it in order to make America great and glorious again. I am tonight announcing my candidacy for President of the United States, he said to loud cheers by supporters at his Mar-a-Lago residence of Palm Beach. But he said, this will not be my campaign. This will be our campaign together, because the only force strong enough to defeat the massive corruption is you, the American people. So, he said, America's comeback starts right now. Unlike other presidents, he said, I kept my promises. We're Americans and we do not have to endure what has taken place in Washington, D.C., he said. Well, at the same time, Benjamin Netanyahu in Israel, it is said that he has been given the opportunity, four years of making Israel great again. Four years of making Israel great again. And he's struggling to put together a coalition of various parties to fill the various portfolios or offices and ministries or so on within Israel. And he's been given 30 days to do it. And if he cannot, Israel will be back into their sixth election in just over two years. At the same time... Vladimir Putin has announced his vision of Russia's national identity. He said it is based on moral guidelines that have been passed down through generations. The basis of Russia's national identity, he said, is respect for the past and loyalty to longstanding traditions. Speaking at a government meeting the very evening that President, former President Trump announced his candidacy, The Russian leader said that the basis of our national identity has been and remains the continuity of generations loyal to traditions and high spiritual and moral guidelines. At the same time, India's president (coughs) has declared a vision for India as part of a new... Notice the trajectory of all of these announcements at the same time. Then on Fox News last evening, we had appearing on Brett Baer's program at 6 a.m., 6 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time. He brought on former vice president Mike Pence, who is coming out with a new book. And it was obvious. That Brett Bear was trying to do everything he could to promote Mike Pence as the next president of the United States and to offer his platform there on the six o'clock news in order to do so. So much so that a cartoon came out today called The Fox and the Bear. Bear? B-A-I-E-R, Brett Bear, the Fox, Fox News, and behind him at the broadcast desk in the cartoon are a number, Mike Rove, uh, Mr. Rove, Mr. Ryan, blame Trump, blame Trump, blame Trump, promote Mike Pence. Why are we bringing this up? You say, I'm not used to having you talk so much about political aspects. Well, that's exactly what we're going to talk about here today on Viewpoint. And there's a reason for that. Because politics, at its heart, is really about people getting along. But it's more than just people getting along. It's people getting along according to things that bind them together. What binds the American people together other than perhaps being born in this country for the majority or having been made a citizen through naturalization. But other than that, what binds us together? Are we just a bunch of bubbles bouncing around claiming citizenship, but not acting as we have much in common? That's probably part of our problem. And I think that's one of the problems that Vladimir Putin sees there in Russia. And he's trying desperately to redeclare what he believes is a foundational purpose, that which binds Russians together. And he's doing everything he can. Whether you like it or not, whether I like it or not, is not the point. The point is, this is what he's doing. And then we find also in Israel... Benjamin Netanyahu has come aboard as the elected prime minister for a fourth term, I believe it is. And he is seen by many to be the only one who can bring the Israeli people back together again around any kind of sense of commonality and purpose that will protect Israel in very dangerous times. In fact, Benjamin Netanyahu has declared that he is going to preserve the foundation of Torah observance and belief. That is the first five books of the Bible that are revered by Orthodox Jews. He is going to preserve that for Israel and not going to allow reformed Jews or seculars to come in and try to reform the country according to secular standards. So what would you do? What would you do if you were going to run for president of the United States? What would you do to declare a commonality of the people, or at least declare a vision that could bind the people together that would be acceptable to the God you claim to serve. That's the question before us here today on Viewpoint. And again, I'm so glad that you've joined us. Again, it's conversation, as always, with ever-increasing conviction, talk that transforms. And when we ask this rhetorical question, what we're really doing is putting the onus or the burden on each one of us. We cannot just continue to pump, uh, punt and say, well, the president, or the Congress, or this, or that, or the other. What he didn't do, what she didn't do, what we didn't do, what we could do, and so on. What can we do? Well, you and I know, as Edmund Burke once said, that we can't do everything, but we can do something. What we can do, we should do, and by the grace of God, we will do, or will we? And what would that vision look like? Donald Trump has come out and says, in order to make America great and glorious again, I'm announcing my candidacy. It's not going to be my campaign alone. No, it's our campaign together. He had about 90 million people, I think it is, that were behind him in 2016. So, where does that stand now? He calls it America's comeback. And he said it starts right now. What starts for you right now? Let's talk about it after this break. I'm Chuck Chris Meyer, and this is Viewpoint. Again, I welcome you back to Viewpoint. There were two primary points that the Democrats made in their uh, midterm campaigns, and that was, number one, abortion, and number two, democracy instilling fear in the American people that the Democratic Republic was about to be destroyed, and if you elect a Republican, There is no hope for the future of democracy in America and the world. So, the latest issue of Time Magazine that just came out yesterday, well, on the front is an American flag with all kinds of scratching out indicating democracy is being scratched out. So Molly Ball, who wrote the primary piece in the magazine called Democracy is basically saying democracy is about to be scratched out. But is that true? And who was about to scratch it out? Was it Republicans or was it Democrats? That's a question that you and I have to answer. And I'm not going to try to answer it for you here on the program. I'm bringing up the principles here today on Viewpoint. The issues that we have to deal with you and me, as professing Christians before God. You see, God is interested in, he's not so much interested in politics per se. What he's interested in is our attitudes that break forth into our political ideas and decisions as professing Christians. That's what he's really interested in. The why we have the opinions that we do and vote the way we do, or don't vote. One of the things that we discovered that has been announced is that a huge number of professing Christians did not vote. That is a travesty. An absolute travesty when in this country we have the opportunity to choose as best we can a candidate that best represents a biblical, The biblical position overall from God's viewpoint, you see. And God's viewpoint is the only one that matters. The Republican viewpoint doesn't matter, and the Democrat viewpoint doesn't matter. The only viewpoint that matters is God's viewpoint. Do you agree with that or not? If you disagree with that, you have to question whether you're a follower of Jesus Christ. You really do. Because your purpose on earth is to glorify God, not to glorify a political party. It's not about Republicans. It's not about Democrats. It's about God. It's about his kingdom and his righteousness. And if we do not vote for candidates, if we do not make decisions based upon the kingdom of God, not the kingdom of our politicians, the kingdom of God, So, you will have to make a decision. I will have to make a decision whether Donald Trump, for instance, will be that best representative, notwithstanding his past. You know what his past was 20, 30 years ago. The question is, what did he do from 2016 to 2020? Did he do what he said? Did he say what he would do? And did he do it? And was it for the benefit, ultimately, of the country? And did it, for the most part, perhaps you would disagree in some areas, but did it, for the most part, align itself with biblical principles? He said he was going to deal with the abortion issue. Did he do that? Yes. What was the promise of Democrats during the midterm elections? Preserve abortion to the max. Would you like to know, would you be interested to know what it was that actually drove the midterm elections? It has now come out. It's interesting. It's fascinating, in fact. The reality is that what drove the midterm elections was in large measure abortion. Abortion. Now, why would that be? Because a vast number of Americans, including so called Christian Americans, wanted to preserve abortion. Why? If God created humankind in his image, why did you want to destroy babies made in God's image? Why did you want to do that? Here is the report that came out, at least half of democratic voters and first-time voters and younger women voters said that the Supreme Court decision Roe versus Wade had major or doing away with Roe versus Wade had major impact on their voice, voice Vote choice and turnout. So let's take a look at the chart as it came out after the election. Among Democrats, 65% said that a candidate's position on abortion, that is to preserve Roe versus Wade as opposed to abolish it as the court did was the ma- one of the major focuses of their their vote 65% of democrats in other words 65% of democrats based a large percentage of their vote decision on their ability to kill their kids just to put it bluntly among independents, 39% based their vote largely upon their ability to kill their kids. Among Republicans, 32% based their vote upon their ability to kill their kids. So the percentage of Democrats who based their vote on their ability to kill their kids was more than double that of Republicans. What does that tell you? Does that tell you anything? Does that tell you anything about candidates and voters and their outlook concerning the kingdom of God and his righteousness? It should. It should scream loudly to you. Should it not? Then again, concerning abortion rights, as a result of the election and the attitudes of the American people, New Jersey now is planning abortion rights amendment, an abortion rights amendment on the 2023 ballot. Their legislatures are preparing a constitutional amendment for the New Jersey Constitution that would protect abortion, defining it as a basic human right, even though it's anti-human. How can you call that which is killing off humanity a human right? If you're going to give gorillas and chimpanzees a human right, as did Spain a couple of years ago, Why would you not give babes in the womb a human right, since they're human? You can see the direction here. Is this uniting the American people, or is it profoundly dividing us? And is it uniting us around something that is worthy to unite us, that is, the kingdom of God and his righteousness, or is it uniting the American people around godlessness and a war against the creator. In addition to that, today, the United States Senate was to hold an initial vote on legislation to protect the right to same-sex marriage, spurred by concerns that a conservative Supreme Court could reverse its earlier decision that made it, legal nationwide and the bill is expected to pass the senate perhaps it already did now and would serve as a legal backstop against any future supreme court action by requiring the federal government to recognize any marriage that was legal in the state it was performed in in other words same-sex marriage i suppose marriage to your dog marriage to a cat marriage to uh, a computer Oh, yes, we have those. Who is promoting these bills? Democrats. They're the ones that are promoting these bills. Are these bills in favor of godliness, the kingdom of God and his righteousness, or just the opposite? The reality is it's just the opposite. So let me ask you a question. Which is most important? Promoting democracy in the sense of everybody doing what's right in their own eyes, that view of democracy, or being united by a common bond of godliness And righteousness. Which is more important? Which is more democratic? Well, either one of them is democratic. Because the people will decide. And that's why, friends, the whole cry about democracy is false. The cry about democracy that the Democrats brought in the last election, the midterms, was not about democracy itself at all. It was about, I want to do what I want to do, and don't you dare countermand what I want to do. In other words, if you don't agree with my viewpoint, you have no right to speak, and your viewpoint is irrelevant. You must, by definition, then be anti democratic. Are you beginning to get the picture? So how do you deal with this attitude? You can't begin to deal with it in the secular realm because they're not God-fearing. You have to deal with it initially among people who at least pretend to be God-fearing. God's warmest audience, in other words. And if God's warmest audience can't come into A unifying agreement with regard to that which is best glorifying God, best honoring him, best pursuing his kingdom and his righteousness. Not your political party. Not power of one race over another or any race. Because there's only one race from God's viewpoint. That's the human race. So... What is it going to take, then, to unite professing Christians? It appears that Christ doesn't unite us. Have you noticed that? Christ, obviously, is not uniting professing Christians. If Christ were uniting professing Christians, then we would not have nearly a thousand churches leaving or getting ready to leave the United Methodist Church denomination. Would we? Why are they leaving? Because they're exercising a democratic choice to honor or glorify God, even if they're in the minority... Because they cannot countenance a denomination that continues increasingly to pursue that which is anti-biblical, anti-God, anti-the kingdom of God, and is about glorifying the culture and obeying the messages coming from the ever-vacillating whims of the culture rather than the eternal God. So in reality, if we're really honest, we have to realize that as Christians, our politics begin at home. Our politics do not begin in the White House or the Congress. They begin in our home. And actually, they begin in my heart and your heart. So what is the political condition of your heart? The political condition of your heart is equal to the spiritual condition of your heart. Hmm. We'll be back.
0: There is so much more about Chuck Chris Meyer and Save America Ministries on our website, SaveUS.org. For example, under the marriage section, God has marriage on his mind. Chuck has some great resources to strengthen your marriage. It's all on Chuck's website, saveus.org. Again, you can listen to Chuck's Viewpoint broadcast live and archived Save America Ministries' website at saveus.org.
1: Welcome back to Viewpoint. Again, today we're talking about the politics of the kingdom, the politics of the kingdom of God. You say, I didn't realize that uh, uh, the kingdom of God had anything to do with politics. Oh, it does. It has everything to do with politics. Not in the sense that we think of politics, which is the will to power and waging war against enemies, whether it be the Republican Party, the Democrat Party, or in Israel, the 20 parties that they have that Benjamin Netanyahu is trying to wrestle to the ground, so to speak, and bring about a kind of unity government. Jesus made it very, very plain in John chapter 17, friends. People like to quote it. Pastors like to quote it. Para- church leaders have been quoting it now for the past 30 years across the country. Jesus' high priestly prayer, and they always start in the middle saying, Jesus' words, Father, that they may be one, that the world may know that thou hast sent me. But that isn't the gist of the High Priestly Prayer. That isn't the foundation of Jesus' prayer. Everybody ignores the foundation of Jesus' prayer. Jesus' prayer begins with these words. Sanctify them, that is, Those who follow me, according to thy word, thy word is truth. That's what is supposed to unite us. The word of God. Not the word of your favorite politician. Not the word of a political party. What is supposed to unite us is the word of God. That's where our loyalty is supposed to be as Christians. That's why we cannot trust politics in and of itself. But that doesn't mean you and I shouldn't be involved in politics from the standpoint that we're not trusting politicians. We're trusting God that if we will be faithful to him, then we will have done our part in making a godly selection in a participatory country where we have a democratic choice to vote for representatives, which makes us a republic that best represent us. So, question, are we doing that? Are you doing that? Forget about the collective we now. Let's talk about the individual me. Am I doing that? Am I voting for people, am I cheering for people that are most likely, overall, not just on one issue, most likely to set the tone, to set the decisions that will be necessary to unify the nation according to biblical principles, godly purposes, the kingdom of God. Well, you might say, well, we don't have a a theocracy. That's true, we don't. But in the church, God, we do have a theocracy. And if you have greater allegiance to the democracy than you have to the theocracy of God in Christ Jesus, you are already part of the problem, a major part of the problem. Is this making any sense? It's so hard for us, isn't it? Because we live in this kind of an environment that is contentious and it lures us to be put all of our marbles in a political savior, a political solution. Now, there's nothing wrong with coming to the conviction before God that a particular candidate is going to be the best hope for the country to unify us and lead us back to godly principles. And a solid foundation that is consistent with the word, will, and ways of God. Nothing wrong with that. You just can't put your whole trust there. Because that's idolatry. You can be strongly in favor of a particular candidate, but you better not begin to think that that particular person is going to be the answer to all of America's problems. It ain't going to happen, friends, because that person would have to get a hold of your heart first to get you straightened out, to get me straightened out. And that's why Randy Tate and Don Hodell uh, who took over the Christian coalition uh, about 20 years ago, they were put in place by Pat Robertson, who had formed the Christian coalition, and uh, when they came in, they made a public statement. They said, look, we can fill, if, if we were to fill every elective office in America with professing Christians, America would still not change. They said America will only change when the hearts of the people change. Well, guess where that has to start? It has to start in God's house. Why is that? Because judgment's going to begin at the house of God. That's why. And if God is going to first judge the house, his house, then how much way out in left field are the rest of the folk? God's trusting you and me to make righteous decisions. Now, we've already had our choices for the midterms. Some of us may have to repent big time for the choices that we made. Some of us may have to repent big time for failure to make choices. In other words, abandoning our biblical and godly responsibility in the culture. Didn't vote. Selfishly didn't vote. Don't complain, my friend, if you didn't vote. Don't complain. You have no standing to complain about the trajectory of the country if you didn't vote. Don't even open your mouth with a complaint. Yes, we should be trusting God. We're not trusting politics. But you and I are to be doers of the word and not just hearers only. Because then we deceive our own selves, don't we? All right. Now let's take a look at, uh, b- before we do that, I want to... Uh, uh, direct your attention to my book, Renewing the Soul of America, because it is such an encouraging and hope filled book, also directing our hearts, our lives, our tensions, our decisions, our thoughts toward what you and I can do and must be if we have any hope for change. That is, change you can believe in. So, the book is not about politics. It's about life. It's about you and about me. And there's a reason why 38 national Christian leaders endorsed it. Because they saw in this book something radically different than anything else that had come out. They said, this book has the real answers. As one leader said, if we have the courage to do it. A chapter called the integrity gap. A chapter called, and th- this is the last third of the book. After having set the foundation in our own lives, a chapter called heritage and hope, talking about our godly heritage and how that's the standard. It's, it's the foundation for our hope. A hope and a purpose, decision and destiny. Changing course, can a nation shipwreck? The Lighthouse. An American parable. Oh, the book's worth it for that parable alone. And then finally, the appendix, a model of Christian charity. That, by the way, sets the clearest statement. Some historians have said it's the clearest statement of the American vision, a godly vision. That united the Puritans when they came over, penned by a godly attorney. The book is worth the price just for those final pages—about seven, eight, ten pages—a model of Christian charity. The book "Renewing the Soul of America" an eighteen-dollar book years for fifteen dollars on our website, saveus.org, saveus.org. You want to have some clear direction. You want to find out where your choices really are? How you can make the most profound difference? That's what this book will do for you. Renewing the soul of America, one person at a time, beginning with you. On the website, saveus.org, give us a call, 1-800-SAVE-USA, 1-800-SAVE-USA, or write to us at Save America Ministries. P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. Writing a check at $5 for postage and handling. All right, now let's move very quickly into some things. There are some things that have happened uh, since the midterm election. For instance, there was a challenge to uh, uh, Mitch McConnell leading the U.S. Senate, Republican Senate, the, the Republicans in the Senate. Rick Scott challenged, and today Mitch McConnell was reelected. Representative Elise Stefanik was reelected to House Republican Conference Chair. The GOP Republicans flipped the House with 219 seats secured as of today. All these things are happening very quickly. A Democrat congressman. Eric Swalwell accused American parents of being stupid. That's right. Accused American parents of being stupid. The United States Senate voted today in the so-called Respect for Marriage Act to make homosexual marriage permanent. Hmm. We'll be back. Politics have massive practical effects that echo and echoing consequences into every area, nook and cranny of our lives. For instance, America was actually built on coal. Did you know that? That is, in a practical matter, in terms of a fuel, America was built on coal. And now our current punitive president, Joseph Biden, has declared he's going to get rid of it. He's going to close down all fossil fuels and get rid of Get two-thirds of our energy in America from fossil fuels. Almost one-third of our power comes from coal. He's going to get rid of them all. That's what he said. Now, while we're doing that, China is building two or three plants for every one that Joe Biden closes down in America. How is that helping the world? And Germany now is rebuilding their coal plants. Germany. Germany. Why? Because they don't want to be at the mercy of a Russian barrel of oil or gas. Politics matter. Just look at the gas pump. How about the politics of war? A decision was made by Vladimir Putin to attack Ukraine. That was a political decision. As a result of the political decision, there's been a 400% increase in Jews in Russia making Aliyah to Israel. In other words, making the return to Israel. 400%. That's massive. Do you know that that's a fulfillment of biblical prophecy? It is. In addition, 493 came from the UK, 1,000 from Argentina, 411 from South Africa, and 1,750 from Belarus. Or Belarus. Politics and political decisions make or have effects on every aspect of our lives. A shocking study just came out. One in 179 Americans will be murdered if the current trend holds. It's no secret. Murders in America have surged in Democrat-run Chicago. Dozens are shot every weekend and at least a handful die. Other large cities are similar. It's not Surprising, given the agenda adopted and promoted by many, unfortunately, Democrats to defund police. Nor does it help that the prosecutors that have been put in position by the financing of George Soros, who is dedicated to destroying America, are releasing homicide suspects with little or no bail and even dismissing charges. So, if this continues, one out of every 179 Americans will be a murder victim over the course of their lives. Politics may determine your life. It may determine your life, friends. Now, Benjamin Netanyahu over there in Israel has, uh, is, is fighting to try to restore some kind of unity, some kind of unity in strength there in Israel because Israel politically has been in chaos. Just like America for the past two years. Chaos. He said that I'm going to do everything I can to secure this country her destiny. So what do you make then in America when Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas has been letting in two, over 200,000 illegal immigrants every week? Every month, rather, into this country. What do you make of that? And then has the temerity to tell the American people we're doing everything we possibly can to secure the border. So, Representative Myra Flores in Texas lambasted him before the House Homeland Security Committee yesterday. She says, You are lying. As someone who lives the reality of our southern border every day, you say that the border was secure. You are lying to the American people. And he is. And so is Joe Biden. And so is the vice president. Openly, notoriously lying. Is that supporting a biblical foundation for the country? Is that how we unite the country to do the will of God? Is that how Christians would somehow unite to bring people into power who would openly and notoriously lie continually to the American people to deceive them? No wonder Donald Trump said yesterday in his announcement, he said, I'm asking for your vote. I ask you for your support, and I'm asking for your friendship and your prayers in this very incredible but dangerous journey. A dangerous journey. Indeed it is. Anyone, friends, who will purport to stand for any level of righteousness in this current environment is shouldering a very dangerous job. A very dangerous job. Benjamin Netanyahu has shouldered a very dangerous job. Is Donald Trump going to begin America's comeback as a result of his announcement? Is God going to do something else? I can't tell you. But something better happen, and it better happen pretty quickly. And number one begins on the mind and heart and decisions and will of professing Christians. Don't complain about the condition of the country. Don't complain about this, that, or the other unless you are willing to do the will of God unless you are willing to get away from having a D or an R behind your name and vote righteousness. For righteousness alone exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. I don't care what, by what label you call yourself. Now let's go back to Russia for just a quick moment. Putin yesterday outlined a vision for Russia's national identity. He was speaking at a government meeting, and he said that the basis of our national identity has been and remains the continuity of generations, loyalty to traditions, and high spiritual and moral guidelines. That he goes on to define what that looked like. Dignity, human rights and freedoms, patriotism, high moral ideals, strong family values, prioritizing the spiritual or the material, mercy, justice, and mutual assistance and respect, shared historical memory, and national unity. Sounds good, doesn't it? Why can't we get a speaker running in this country who would be so clear in declaring Things like that. Do we have to be preached at from Vladimir Putin no matter how, what you think about him? do we? Do, is God using the mouth of a donkey to speak to America? Maybe so. No matter what you think of him. He says we're not going to allow the Western world To rewrite and reshape our history. We are going to be. Basically saying. We're going to be what God ordained. For we. Us to be in Russia. A national identity. United by. Traditions. And high spiritual and moral guidelines. Guidelines. Now, that's a wonderful statement. To what degree is it true in Russia? Well, to what degree is it true in America? When Vladimir Putin looks at America and says, as he has over the last several years, said, Russia has become the spiritual leader, the Christian spiritual leader of the world Because America has forsaken her calling and is leading the world into more and more debauchery. And we don't want to have anything to do with it. What do you think about that? Forget about Ukraine now. That's a quagmire. It's a mixed bag, friends. And you can't base, you can't base what the truth upon what Joe Biden tells you because every time he opens his mouth, He's lying. He's a deceiver. Just like his uh, pick, Mayorkas. They're not telling the truth. They really believe that they can continue to lie to our faces and expect us to be united under their leadership. Friends, that's not leadership. That's just deceit. You and I better develop as Christians a higher level of spiritual discernment before the next political decisions come around. We have two years, maybe, but during those two years there's going to be a lot of noise. There's going to be a lot of jockeying. There's going to be a lot of yelling and screaming. Don't necessarily yield to the idea that if you just say things nicely that that necessarily is god's best there comes a time friends when somebody has to take the bull by the horns and put some jerks into that bull and get conditioned get things under control is that where we are we report, you decide. But here on Viewpoint, we're committed not to political saviors. We're committed to prepare the way of the Lord in each one of our lives for history's final hour. Because the real issue, the real decision lies straight ahead. Maybe before, maybe after 2024. Because something is, is developing in our world that increasingly the peoples of our planet are realizing these are not business as usual times. They're getting this uneasy setup in their hearts that there's a, there's a spiritual disequanimity out there and people are nervous. That's one of the reasons why suicides are on the mount. The reality is they're nervous because a Messiah is coming. His name is Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus, Jesus Christ, the anointed one. And he's coming to judge the earth in righteousness, not according to the platform of the Democrat Party or the Republican Party or any other party. But according to God's standard of right wasteness. Will you be able to stand when he appears? That's the question. Thanks for joining us. Get a copy of the book Renewing the Soul of America, $15 on the website. Also, Messiah Unveiling the Mystery of the Ages. You see, that's where everything is heading. $22 $22 right there on the website, saveus.org. God bless. Be a blessing. Let's be in prayer about our country.
0: You've been listening to Viewpoint with Chuck Grismire. Viewpoint is supported by the faithful gifts of our listeners. Let me urge you to become a partner with Chuck as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation. Join us again next time on Viewpoint as we confront the issues of America's heart and home.